This is the Monate Fela podcast from your ultimate campus radio, Kofsi FM. That's right, Uncle Shem here on your Ultimate Campus Radio. I know if you're not expecting me, uh, we've just decided we're going to uh, break up the station and uh, build something new in it. And that's myself and Steve joining us here from Johannesburg. Steve, how are you doing? Hello, Uncle Shem. How are you, big guy? Good, thanks yourself. Fantastic. Uh, it is still the top 40 here on your Ultimate Campus Radio. We're taking a little bit of a break from that before going into uh, track number 33. But Steve, uh, tell me, what brings you to Bloemfontein after being in the buzzing metropolis of Benoni? <laughs> I'm in Joburg, bro. Not Benoni, not okay. Benoni. Let's get it straight. No, I came, uh, I came to install a new VR unit that's in uh, the Volkswagen dealership. Yes, uh, the Lindsay Saker one. Uh, very cool experience. You can like jump into VR and go on like test drives and customize the cars and like it's a very cool experience that we're. Um, we're building with Volkswagen uh, head office. And obviously because you're in tech, right? Yeah. You you believe like you being in tech, you don't really suspect that there's a lot of tech things happening in Bloemfontein. So what kind of a shock was it for you to get to Bloemfontein and like see our Virgin active and be like, wow. What? That, that, I was actually madly impressed by how well-kitted that uh, Virgin active is. Um, driving around and getting a good tour by your friendly Uncle Shem, you kind of get a very different perspective of what Bloemfontein is. Um, I mean, I don't see like the highest end of technology in every corner. I mean, I don't see that in Joburg either. But I'm quite, I'm quite um, pleasantly surprised at how you know well run this place is and how cool it is, and you know how good initiatives are kind of happening around the place. Well, it is a really exciting time to be in Bloemfontein because uh, people are starting to get introduced to the new stuff, and uh, it's uh, through work like your own, the work obviously that you're doing at Lindsay Saker. And uh, if you can just give us a little experiment or example of what it is that uh, you can experience if you get to the dealership or what your tech does for us. Okay, so South Africa is a is a problematic market for a lot of reasons. It's hard to get cars here because of logistically where you know, South Africa is in the bottom mm. of Africa. So what happens is that there's a problem with new car sales, specifically because people can't really see a car until it arrives. And it becomes a problematic issue when you're trying to order a car, particularly for any, car, uh, mm. any customer. So what we do in this VR experience is that we allow you to go into this digital dealership. We put all the cars that you probably won't find on the showroom mm. and then you can customize them whichever way you want because the last thing you want to do is buy a car from a like a picture you know on yeah. the screen I mean that's not realistic you can't open the doors you can't look inside you can't change the trim or the colors the way you want to so we made this VR simulation where you can do that you can go into dealership and you can pick the car you like and customize it whichever way you want open the doors close the doors open the bonnet do everything you want like make the custom car that you like and then you can take it on a little adventure um, with one of the experiences you can drive your car on the moon and and more importantly, I suspect beyond all of that, once you've developed your car in this VR environment, you can say, this is the spec of car I want, and then they make it for you. Yeah, so they'll do an order for you. And yeah. then what'll, what's great about that is that you can kind of pick the car you want and not the one that's available. Right. I think a lot of the time when you're you know making a new car purchase, you, you're kind of investing in the car for three, four, five years maybe. You want to get what you want. You, know, you yeah. don't want to get what's available. So if they can improve the ordering process and the logistics, that means that your car, instead of taking four months, could take two months to get you. Sure. And I think that's a better buying experience for everyone involved. You know? Absolutely. So essentially what you've done is you've taken need for speed and put it in real terms yes. and in VR and now you can like
like mod your own car and yeah. like actually drive it. Yeah, it's cool. It's um, and then there's other games as well that we've built where you have to like, you know, pack the car with all this weird stuff. Like, um, you know, you can put like prams and trolleys yeah. and so on in the back of the car. We've made it like an experience where people can have, you know, a type of like mixed experience, like a mm. mixed reality experience. Mm. You know, you you won't have this physical car, but we'll give you the closest thing to it, and you can take it on a test drive. Or you can pack it full of stuff. You can see how practical it is. You can see if it's a purchase you want to make, and then you know feel a little bit more comfortable when you click the order button. You know, on with the, with the, the salesperson. Mm. I think. I think that a lot of the time we buy things online expecting them to be one thing and then something else gets delivered. Mm. Uh, and with cars, it's such a big purchase, you know, so you want to make sure what you're buying. You want to make sure everything is the way you want it to be mm. because you have that option. It's not buying a second-hand car. It's buying a brand-new car. You're right. And, um, and you, you know, can do it twice, essentially, because you build your own car and then two months later, your car actually arrives. And then you're like, this is what I paid for. This yeah. is what I want. I'm 10 times more excited about it because I didn't get the white one instead of the silver one mm. I wanted just because they only had white available. We're going to stick around with you for a moment, Steve, because I, I just want to catch up with the, the future of VR in South Africa. But first, uh, getting back to your chart, number three, someone you loved, uh, Lewis Capital coming your way here on the Monday. Ooh, not the Monday Fela Breakfast, the Campus Geek of 40, and uh, looking forward to more great music. But while we have Steve in studio with us, Steve, a quick question relating to, you know, virtual reality. What are the applications and the potential applications for virtual reality? I mean, for students in particular, like they can't afford this sort of stuff why should we care? So, uh, an interesting thing to think about is that when you go for first first time for your first job interview, um, they always ask you the same question. They always ask you, how much experience do you have? Mm. And you'll probably say none because you've spent all your time being a student, not w- in the workplace. Mm. Um, that was the career, that, the path that you chose for you know, a few years to prepare yourself for the workplace. Mm. But, you know, the world moves at such a radical rate that you may do a degree for four, five, six years and then a large chunk of it is redundant mm. but you still spent the money you're still in debt to cover the cost back and you're still not necessarily equipped for the workplace and the workplace is very different from what the academia has mm. like think about it you you work you work at a bank you work in a factory you work in a design firm whatever it is that you do mm. as the as the the industry moves forward academia in a lot of ways has to catch up right and it, some sometimes academia is ahead of the curve because they're investing in that but a lot of the times industry moves faster than academia does yes so then you spend all of your time you know and all of your money and your resources getting a degree and then you're still not necessarily relevant in the workplace and you don't have a competitive edge over someone else mm. And I think that the problem sits, and this is a South African problem, but it's a general problem around the world, is that we don't train people for task. We train them for general approach, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're an engineer and maybe 90% of your time is you're going to be doing calculations around bridges. Right. But you spend five years learning about everything and then you apply 10% of that knowledge for 90% of the time mm-hmm. that you're at work. And I think that that's a little bit disjointed. I think what we need to do is we rather need to be training people for task as opposed to training for everything. Right. Because then you can take people that can't afford to get tertiary education yes. and say, all right, well, we need people to assemble parts on a, on a production line. Right. Whether we're assembling fridges or cars or whatever the case is, we need these people to do that. Mm-hmm. Or we need people to work in retail and we need to prepare them for this type of environment. Well, I imagine it goes beyond like, you know, what it seems to be like really lame jobs and like can go into banking or mining or something along those lines where you can train them as well to do like high end stuff. Yeah, and it, it, you can especially train people to work in dangerous conditions without mm. being in dangerous conditions. 
tasks. And I think that if we can rather train people for tasks and then they can perform those tasks in the shortest amount of time when they start their job, mm. then they become immensely productive to the company and there's an ROI and they can get paid. You know, mm. so the 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 gap between like starting in the workplace and actually becoming productive and producing value to the company mm. can become much shorter, which means it's more lucrative for, for people to get hired at companies and it becomes more lucrative for people to go to companies because they get trained to mm. fulfill their role and then they feel empowered. You know, um, a lot of people talk about this idea of jobs. Yes. Like how do we how do we create more jobs? Well, we have to create industries that are growing so that they need to hire more people. Right. But how do we do that if you've got a very long segmented time frame between someone coming into the workplace, costing a company X amount per month, right. and then only in a few months are they actually productive to repay back what they have cost the company? Exactly. So if you can do this faster, if you can do this quicker, and you can do this cheaper, that means that you could have more people in the workplace faster. And how does virtual reality allow you to do that? Well, if you can simulate experiences, you can you train people. So when you're simulating a, a job like in the mines, let's say you're a repair technician or you're a stope drill uh, operator, you need to have a certain experience. You need to know how your machines work. You need yeah. to understand the working conditions. You need to understand how to work in a team. And you can only really get that on the, on the job, right? Yes. But it's expensive and it's dangerous, and you can't just put anyone off the street in an underground mine. Yeah. Um, so creating a simulation where people can still reenact those same everyday tasks, but they do it in virtual reality as opposed to in, re in real reality, means that you can study and track how they do it, and you can train them, and they can keep practicing mm -hmm. multiple times a day until they're prepared and ready. That means that you can prepare them to go underground before they actually ever go underground. Right. So let's hypothetically say that I know that standing operating procedures in a lot of mines is about two weeks. It mm -hmm. takes you two weeks to be prepared and ready to go underground. What if two weeks could be two days? Exactly. How much more productive could a group of people be mm. and how much more productive can the mine be and how much more returns could they get? If they, were, if they were getting those kind of returns, naturally you would incentivize through taxation and, and other kind of stimulator policies to expand more mines more operations, more jobs. Right. Same thing can happen in every industry. I mean, you want to build a factory and your factory is making shoes. Cool. Do you have like 400 people that can make shoes tomorrow? No, there aren't 400 people that have experience mm. making shoes. But while you're building the factory, why don't you find 400 people that are good at it? That there are good people. They've got the right gumption. They've got the right mentality. They've got the right good work ethic. And then you put them in simulations to learn how to make shoes. And then the day that the factory opens, you've got 400 skilled individuals who can start making shoes. Exactly. That's why I believe that VR and AR as well can kind of bridge the skills gap that we have in South Africa. Because when you look at all these international uh, campaigns to drive people to go to countries, like investment into countries, come and invest in Mesopotamia, come mm. and invest in Ethiopia, come and invest in Kenya. They always talk about a young, educated, skilled workforce. Right. Because that's what everybody who's investing in a factory or a company wants to hear. If you're a, a multi-billion dollar organization and you're looking at the next country that you want to build a factory or expand into you want to know that it's stable you want to know that your investment is going to be you know protected and ri as risk adverse as possible but you also want to know that you can find talented people to run the organization right? sure. but it's not easily doable in a lot of parts of Africa and especially in South Africa as well mm. but what if we could 
create a, what if we could create a simulation that made it easier for you to train 400 people that didn't necessarily have experience in the industry but didn't need it mm. you can train them to become experienced in a short amount of time at a very low cost it means you could jump the skills gap and you could create that that need of skilled individuals in a much faster time Steve Pinto here joining us on the campus key top of 40 to explain a very a new radical way of creating jobs and also upskilling people outside of the traditional tertiary environment check out his uh, stuff a new reality all over the internet as well as um, boot fighter boot fighter <laughs> boot fighter but uh, like a side project that they're doing there up in Joburg Steve thank you so much for joining us here on your ultimate campus radio absolutely looking pleasure. forward to having you once more one day once you get some more clients coming through in Bloemfontein it's good to see that there, there's some energy coming through in the tech, tech scene of Bloom. number 32 that was the Monate Fela podcast stay tuned for more things <laughs> all the girls say I'm